Amen. Well, aren't you glad you have a rock to run to, a place to anchor yourself to and know that whatever comes, we, we know our Lord cannot be moved. It's good to see you tonight. I pray the Lord will bless you. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, as we continue looking at this letter. The Apostle Paul wrote to a church that, as I've told you from the beginning, was a marvel and a mess. Probably more of a mess at this point, and Apostle Paul is getting at some of the foundational issues before he gets into more specific matters with the church. And, and uh, of course, we've been looking at several things already about uh, what it means to have the right kind of wisdom and, and uh, everything else that we've been looking at to this point. But now tonight, uh, we look at um, uh, this passage of Scripture. It's an interesting passage of Scripture. It's a debatable passage of Scripture for some, but uh, it's the problem with staying spiritually immature. And unfortunately, that's too often the case of many believers in church. And the Apostle Paul's addressing that because that's one of the issues that was taking place at the church at Corinth, and it's one of the issues that take place in, in many churches today. There are just way too many spiritually immature believers, way too immature for the number of years they've been a Christian and the number of years uh, that they have been involved in kingdom work. So let's look together, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at the first four verses tonight. Uh, probably many of you know someone who is uh, seemingly more mature than they should be for their age. I've encountered people like that, and I thought, my goodness, that person sure is mature for their age. And that's a good, comp that's a good thing. That's a compliment. But many of us also know somebody that we would say they're very immature for their age. I know my wife was uh, teaching uh, special education for many years, and in Tuscaloosa, in her first classroom that she had, she had these uh, severe and profound uh, special ed students. And, uh, and so uh, one of the students that she had in her classroom, his name was Freddie, uh, looked like a baby. He was about six or seven years of age, but because of the condition that he had, he had become arrested when it comes to both uh, his mental and his physical growth. And so to look at him, he looked just like a baby. Uh, had to have his diapers changed and just basically was there uh, being uh, given uh, what the, the law required as far as uh, providing resources and so forth. But, but uh, he could not grow. It was not his fault. It was just something that he had. Uh, there are a lot of other people like this. They have uh, emotional challenges, mental challenges, even physical challenges. Uh, that keep people arrested and they don't seemingly mature like other people. And that's, that's fine. We understand that. We, we understand the issues and the reasons and, and so forth. But what the Apostle Paul is talking about here is a spiritual immaturity that there is no excuse for. Uh, there, there's no reason why it exists. Uh, it, it, when we see people who are immature for no reason other than they just act childish, well, that becomes offensive to us, or at least many of us. It uh, becomes difficult to handle, difficult to deal with, and, and we have a hard time accepting anyone uh, who would act this way when they could be uh, acting, uh, as, as we might say, their age. Um, and so I want us to look at what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth because they were in a spiritually arrested mode. And uh, the Apostle Paul doesn't just say some of you. He basically is telling the church uh, they were uh, pretty much all together having an issue here when it comes to immaturity. So let's look together in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 and 4, because it, I want us to look at it tonight from the standpoint of, let us make sure that that's not the condition we either are in or coming into, but also to help others who are in this condition become aware and help them 
uh, in their need for growth. So let's look at this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we read these words. So brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people. Now I'm going to pause right there to remind you that last week we talked about spiritual things could only be received by believers. And that people who are not Christians, people who are lost, they cannot receive anything that is spiritual. It's a, they're incapable of it. And so when Paul addresses them, he's addressing them because they are Christians, but he has to talk to them as if they weren't. And so let's move on. He says, I cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but instead as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Now that phrase there lets us know. He knows they're saved, but they're spiritually arrested. Verse 2, I fed you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready. In fact, you are still not ready. For you are still influenced by the flesh. For since there is still jealousy and dissension among you, are you not influenced by the flesh and behaving like unregenerate people? For whenever someone says, I am with Paul, or I am with Apollos, are you not merely human? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and as we examine it more closely, may it be your Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, Lord, that you would give us that which we need to not only understand and receive this passage of Scripture and its truth, but, Lord, to be able to implement it and apply it into our life. And, and Lord, uh, through, a, through all the ways that we can minister and disciple others, help them as well. So, Lord, would you do your great work to give us wisdom and insight and understanding? Would you speak to us, Lord, tonight and, and reveal to us anything that's in our life that is preventing us from growing as you intend us to grow in your Son, Jesus? And so, Lord... Do your great and mighty work in this place so that if there's someone here tonight who doesn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, as a work of your Holy Spirit, would you bring that which they need so that they can respond in faith, say yes to the Savior, and Lord, begin a spiritual journey. But for all of us here tonight, Lord, may we examine ourselves, and Lord, may we not be found guilty of spiritual immaturity. But Lord, may we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of your Son, and as we looked at this morning, to know Christ. Have your will in your way in this moment, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's an interesting thing to me, by the way, that this passage of Scripture sort of follows up with what I preached on this morning. But uh, let's examine several things together. First off, Paul talks about the carnal, childlike Christian. And I emphasize that because he's talking to Christians. He's calling them infants in Christ. So he's not, he's not speaking about their relationship with Jesus. He's not talking about their salvation. He's talking to them about the fact that they have not yet progressed to the point that Paul can take them into more spiritual matters. He cannot reveal to them more spiritual truths. He cannot feed them the way he would want to feed them in terms of biblical truth and spiritual truth and, and other things because they are arrested. They are carnal, they are childlike, they are immature. And so Paul calls them people of the flesh. Now in the King James, the word simply is their carnal. And that's why I use that word carnal because that is the word that's found in the King James and other translations. But it's also it, literally the word here, the Greek word that we find in this passage of Scripture uh, is a Greek word. It's called sarkikos, and, and it's simply a word that uh, means someone who is worldly, somebody who is of the material or of the world. And Paul says, 
that those in the church have become people of the flesh. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's talk about what carnal Christians believe. What do, what do immature Christians believe? What does a carnal Christian believe? And the truth of the matter is, they believe the same things that a mature Christian believes, at least in terms of, uh, of, of biblical truth, in terms of Jesus Christ. They, they affirm the fundamentals of the faith. Jesus is the Son of God who was crucified, buried, and rose from the grave. They, they, uh, they uh, affirm all the things uh, that, that uh, the Bible says and that they've been taught because they're, they're not rejecting that, so they're believing the same thing that spiritual believers believe. So that's not the reason why they're carnal. And the other thing is uh, they can receive what spiritual Christians can receive. In other words, the fact that they're immature infants in Christ does not mean that they do not have the capacity to receive what a mature believer receives. Now remember, lost people can't, but a Christian can. The potential is there. So as Paul is speaking to, him, to them about uh, what it is that, that is affl afflicting them, what the problem is within the church, and he calls them carnal, he calls them childlike, it has nothing to do with what they believe and has nothing to do with their incapacity to receive. What it has to do with how they're behaving. So how does, the, how does the carnal Christian, how does the immature Christian behave? And Paul tells us that the problem here is what they do. You see, there's jealousy, there's dissension, and he says you're behaving like unregenerate people. So, so Paul is latching on to the fact that you're carnal and you're immature, not because of what you won't believe, but because how you will not translate that into your life. And folks, that is so true today in the church today. There are a good many people today who can say the right things, believe the right things, and they're capable of receiving the right things, but it doesn't translate in the way they live their life. It doesn't translate into how they behave. And so Paul here is saying that there are several things that are true about an immature Christian. They're, they're inconsistent. They're, their, their, their lifestyle is inconsistent with what they say they believe because they believe the right things, but they behave badly. And they're also immature because they're, they're unable to eat or digest these deeper spiritual truths. Again, look what Paul says. He says, I cannot speak to you as spiritual people. And then he goes on to say in verse 2, I fed you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready. Now that, that's a key phrase because... They could be ready, they should be ready, but they're not ready. And so he says, you are still influenced by the flesh. Look over with me, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 5 for a moment. And uh, just turn over there for a moment in Hebrews chapter 5. And let's look at verse 11. We'll see, nobody really knows who wrote the book of Hebrews. I'm suggesting perhaps that certainly was influenced by Paul. If Paul himself didn't write it, certainly somebody who had been greatly influenced by the Apostle Paul and, and uh, perhaps even uh, assisted by him in some way. But, but here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. On this topic, and we're talking about uh, the priesthood of Christ and how it's in the order of Melchizedek and so many other things the writer of Hebrews is <clears throat> talking about, but he comes to verse 11. On this topic, we have much to say, and it's difficult to explain, since you have become sluggish in hearing. Now, how did they become sluggish in he hearing? Because they'd become carnal. Because they'd become fleshly. 
But go, let's go on to see what it says. For though you should in fact be teachers by this time, you need someone to teach you the beginning elements of God's utterances. You have gone back to needing milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced in the message of righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, whose perceptions are trained by practice to discern both good and evil. Did you notice how you can tell the difference between an immature believer and a mature believer? Because they've come to the point where they put into practice what they've heard. And if you put into practice what you heard, you can move on from that truth on to another truth. What happens today in the church is people hear the same truth over and over, never put it into practice, and therefore it remains the only thing they can handle. This is why the writer of Hebrews, why Paul, both spoke in terms of infancy, both talked in terms of the difference between milk and solid food. Now, virtually everybody in here has had some... um, connection with or some experience with a baby and uh you know uh when we were having babies there there was a certain progression that they had in terms of food and it turned out their first was milk and and you you wouldn't give them anything else they would choke they they couldn't handle it they didn't have the uh they hadn't learned the mechanisms to deal with it they hadn't developed teeth and so forth and but we all remember the progression that that time when that child began to perhaps be able to take a little bit of uh, uh, soft type food and, and, and maybe mixed with a little bit of milk and then they would progress from there to something else, something else. You know, in our family, we just skipped junior foods altogether. That's the nastiest stuff ever created. I don't know if you've ever eaten anything was in the junior department of the baby foods, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I'd rather give my kid a Vienna sausage than what was in those jars. Well, that, that's just some nasty stuff. But our kids just went right into table food by that point. Uh, they, you know, we, we were teaching them how to eat just normal, regular, uh, everyday food at, at the point that they could chew. And so uh, this is what Paul wanted to be able to do with the Christians in Corinth. This is what the writer of Hebrews wanted to do with other believers. But the problem is way too many believers are still and remain in an infancy mode. And all they can handle is the very basics of the truths of the gospel. They cannot move on to anything else because they're not putting into practice what they've learned. And so an uh, immature believer, while they might believe correctly, behave inconsistently and immaturely, so they're unable to digest those deeper spiritual truths, discern and, and utilize them. And they're also, <clears throat> there's incompatibility between the flesh and the spirit. They're not capable of understanding, and they, in fact, try to practice this, but it doesn't work, the relationship between the flesh and the Spirit. Turn with me, if you will, over to Galatians chapter 5 for just a moment. Again, these are passages of Scripture that that speak to uh, uh, these passages of Scripture uh, and these truths, and they're they're repeated over and over. So if you will, just look with me in Galatians chapter 5 for just a moment. Paul says... And, of course, well, I begin in verse 15 because of a very similar circumstance of what was going on in the church at Corinth. If you continually bite and devour one another, beware that you are not consumed by one another. In other words, their behavior was such even toward themselves that they were having a problem. But here's what it goes on to say in verse 16. But I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh has desires that are opposed to the Spirit. Spirit has desires that are opposed to the flesh. For these are in opposition to each other so that you cannot do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. 
Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, depravity, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish rivalries, dissensions, factions. These were things that were in the Corinthian church. Envy, murder, drunkenness, carousing, and similar things. I am warning you, as I had warned you before, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now he's talking about those who have not yet been saved practicing that, but listen to me. When you are a Christian and you are not walking in the Spirit, you begin to live according to the flesh. And this is why there's such confusion outside the church with Christians because they can't see a difference between a person who says they are a believer and the person who is not a believer. Because there's so much carnality, so much childlikeness in the church. Because that Christian is inconsistent, immature, uh, not capable of living according, or not are not living according to the Spirit, and they're irresponsible. Again, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 5, we won't uh, take much more time there, but uh, in verse 12 it has to do with action, and, and verse 13 has to do with uh, how they assimilate themselves in terms of the work of God, and, and, uh, and then, of course, the attention that they give. And then there's instability in the life of, a, of an immature Christian. Again, all these things are true of someone who is spiritually arrested. But let's move on. He talks about this immature Christian, and we see that they believe the same things, but they behave differently. But what is the tragedy of the carnal Christian? What is the tragedy of an immature believer? Because Paul here is saying this is, this is a great tragedy. This is something that, that should not be happening. He wants to speak to them about spiritual things. He wants to deal with them as spiritual people, but he cannot because they are not and there's a great tragedy there because it distorts the otherwise beauty of the childlike nature we should have as Christians. You see, there's, there, there's no inconsistency here when it comes to the fact that Jesus said, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you must be like a child. Well, what is he talking about? He's talking about one's faith, one's ability to trust. You know, children just have this wonderful way of just trusting. They have this wonderful way of just accepting and believing anything we tell them. Now there comes a time when they question everything. But a child, Jesus said, we ought to have the faith that a child has. So there's something beautiful about a childlike nature, a purity, an innocence that Christians ought to have. But what this type of immaturity does, it distorts the humility, the trust, the transparency, the, uh, and, and the progression uh, that should take place in a Christian so that it turns it into something that it should not be. Just like we see in the lives of people who are immature, who should be mature. Because of what it is, because it's arrested development. There's nothing sadder than somebody being arrested in their spiritual de development. And I've told you this, and, and, and many times I just remind you, there was a time in my life where I was extremely carnal. I had grown up in the church and had come to know Jesus at seven years of age and, and uh, as a young youth uh, was involved with singing in ensembles and being involved in, in all kind of different uh, ministry. In fact, I had led uh, several people to the Lord before uh, the 10th grade. I had learned how to share the gospel and had shared it with uh, one of my arch enemies in the neighborhood that uh, uh, he had his little gang. I had mine. We, we not, when I say gang, I don't mean what they have today, but I'm talking about 
we played a football game, he had his team, I had my team. We played baseball, he had his team, I had my team. We played basketball, he had his team, I had my team. We, we just sort of met together, and, and that's kind of the way it was. But we had some fights. So I had the opportunity one time, his name was Randy, to lead him to Christ, to share the gospel, and see his life change. Well, Lo and behold, my parents divorced, church split. Three years, I didn't have anything to do with the Lord. I began to do things I'm not proud of in terms of fighting and, and partaking of alcohol and being at drunken parties where, you know, I thought it was fun to hurt people if we got into a fight every now and then. And, and I, I look at my life and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I look back, I, I don't understand, that was the craziest time of my life. Joined a social fraternity in college and and had nothing in common with those people except uh, uh, the, fi the fact that they uh, were seemingly having a good time. And I thought at the time that's what I wanted. And, and you know, all these things that took place during that three-year period, I didn't talk to the Lord unless I was in deep, deep trouble like being on a lightning storm on a Hobie cat with a 15-foot aluminum mask and lightning everywhere. Yeah, I even shared my, boy, uh, my girlfriend's uh, brother how to be saved. I said, we're going to die. But I was as carnal and fleshly as if I was lost. My language was so bad, after I uh, recommitted my life to the Lord, it took me six months to quit using the words that I had incorporated in my vocabulary. But the Lord never left me. But I was arrested spiritually. I was not growing. In fact, I had regressed, <laughs> as Paul or whoever wrote Hebrews said that they had as well. And so, so that's a great tragedy. You know, one of the tragedies of being carnal is you don't think about the spiritual needs of other people. See, that's one of the things that happened during that carnal period. I didn't share Jesus with very few people. I did with my girlfriend's brother in that storm. But other than that, my very best friend, who was closer than a brother to me, all through junior high school and high school, we were together almost every day. Uh, we, we were as, you know, we, we were just together all the time. And never once did I share with him the gospel. It wasn't until I was in the army and gave my life back to the Lord, and the Lord said, you got to go back, and you got to tell them. And I went to all of my friends that I could find in high school and let them know that I had not lived the life I should have been living when they knew me. And had the opportunity to sit in the home of my very best friend and his then wife and and tell them about Jesus and how even after the way I had lived, the Lord had brought me back to himself and the, the change that had taken place. And, and sometime years after that, he was riding his motorcycle and was run over by someone. And, you know, to this day, I don't know if he ever accepted Christ. But for three years, he was with me every day. And I never told him about Jesus. That's the tragedy of carnality that's the tragedy of being an immature believer is you don't look at the needs of others as i told you i'd already led people to jesus by sharing the gospel i knew how to do that i just didn't and so often that's what's happening in the church today that's why we're not seeing people saved like we used to see people saved because people aren't sharing jesus like they used to share jesus and that's the great tragedy of being an immature believer as opposed to a mature believer who understands what our role is every day in being a witness 
for the Lord. So it distorts the, the beauty of child likeness that otherwise should be a part of our nature. Uh, it, it, it causes us to have an arrested development. It causes us to neglect the principles uh, that we should be living by, those spiritual principles. But the main thing, and we've already talked about this, is that it leads to inappropriate behavior. And that was the inappropriate behavior that the Apostle Paul spoke about as they were guilty of jealousy and dissension. And, of course, later on we'll find, in some cases, immorality and drunkenness and every other thing. They were acting just like worldly Christians in the church, sometimes even in their worship service. That was true of the Galatians. That was true of many of the believers that Paul wrote to, and it was true of the Christians that the writer of Hebrews wrote. It's, it's true and has been always true that in churches there are going to be Christians who are immature, who are not growing spiritually, who have become carnal even after they were saved because they will not go on to maturity in Christ. And that is a great tragedy. And one that I think we'll recognize even more so when we get to heaven. Well, then there's the third thing and the last thing, and I'll hit this real quickly. There is a remedy for childlikeness. There's a remedy for being childish. There's a remedy for being carnal as a Christian. Well, Jesus said it in Luke chapter 4 and verse 4 when he said, Man shall not live by bread alone. The fact of the matter is that carnal Christians think that bread alone or, or bread is, is the most important thing. When in fact what Jesus went on to say, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. One of the things that helps us to grow in the Lord is to make sure we are eating right. That, we are, that the food that we are taking in is the right kind of food. It's, it's good food, and it's good spiritual food, and it will help us to grow. And the more that we take in that food, the more we should be able to assimilate that and put it into practice so that we can then take even yet other kinds of food, also digest that, and it also produce in us what's needed. You see, again, it, it really comes down to what we're doing with God's Word. Because it's God's Word that produces faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so if our faith isn't growing, if our faith isn't increasing, it has a lot to do with how little we're spending in the Word of God. And there is so much in the Word of God that we need to be able to digest. And unfortunately, there are many believers who are still just partaking of the milk of the Word, but not of the food it can provide. You heard me say this the other day, maybe some of you, and I know I've had some conversations with people about this, so I'm, I'm now forgetting who I talked to and who, how many people or when or where or what. <laughs> so indulge me here for a moment. But, you know, I'm all about devotions. I even get devotions uh, sent to me by Verse on my phone, and I have daily bread. And you, so, so devotions are good. They're, they're, they're good ways to get a verse and maybe a verse that could be important for that day. Maybe it'll speak to you later that day. There's nothing wrong with devotion. Devotions are important. I encourage you to have time of a devotion with the Lord. But folks, in the terms of spiritual food, that's just a honey bun. Did you hear me? That's just a honey bun. That is not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about digesting the Word of God. I'm talking about taking time and reading the Bible, and looking to see and understand what it is that it's saying, or what truths, what can we learn from this particular story, or this particular verse, 
this particular poem, this particular psalm, uh, whatever it may be, prophecy, whatever it is, whatever part of the Bible you're reading, but being able to try to understand that, that means to digest that. That means having a good study Bible. That means having good study helps. That means having a plan that you have so that you're actually going through the Word of God, digesting that, learning that, and as you learn those truths, putting it into practice. Because if you don't put it into practice, you don't, you don't have it. You lose it. And so... That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about good food. I'm not talking about just having that devotion time. I'm talking about genuine Bible study. That's why we have Bible studies here at the church. But if you're relying on Sunday morning only Bible studies, <clears throat> you don't eat one meal a week, do you? Can you imagine what you'd look like physically if you only ate one meal? For me, it'd look good for a little bit. And then not so good. No, we need to eat daily. Find that time. We've got time now for all kinds of things in our life. Seemingly, we can find time for a lot of things, but we can't find time to feed on the Word of God. But we need good food. Secondly, we need good spiritual exercise. Again, this is what Paul said in Galatians 5 that we read just a moment ago where he says, walk in the Spirit. Well, walking's good for you. Um, <clears throat> now, I used to run when I was in the Army. In fact, um, they made me the PT sergeant, and they regretted that. Because we were at Hunter Army Airfield, and we had one of the longest airstrips there is because they flew in these great big C-5, uh, it's the biggest jet Air Force had, and, and they had this runway long enough to fly them things in and fly them out loaded. And, and, uh, and so our, our little unit, uh, I would take our folks out, and we'd run up and down that, that uh, airstrip, and we got back. I only had about a third of my folks with me. And the first sergeant came to me and said, you got, Blackman, you've got to quit that. They're only a third of them even making it back to, the, back to the unit. And I said, well, if they can't hang, they need to get in shape. Well, they didn't really like my answer. So. But I enjoyed that. But there came a time in my life where I said, I'm done with running unless something's chasing me or I'm chasing them. But walking's good. Walking's healthy. Walking's important. Many people now got smartphones. Ticking off every step, and every heartbeat, and, and everything else. Folks, we need something like that spiritually. Because you need to tick off every day how much you walked with the Spirit, how much you let the Lord have control in your life, how much you gave to Him as opposed to giving in to the flesh and to the things of the flesh. We need spiritual exercise. We need to have clean air and a good environment. And that means to keep our space clean of those things that would otherwise pollute us as jesus talked about in matthew chapter 26 and and we need adequate rest we need refreshing even our lord as a, as as god incarnate yet as a man he needed rest and he often rested and refreshed himself in prayer and folks that's what we need to there's a lot of things that we need to be doing that will help us in terms of growing and maturing and, and being healthy as, as believers. But the remedy ultimately is what Paul said, and that is that you walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And that just simply means every day you acknowledge that the, that the flesh is weak and we need the Lord's help and we need to put into practice what we read in God's Word and we need to keep ourselves out of those situations and away from an environment that would otherwise tempt us, trouble us, and cause us to stumble and just walk with the Lord.
that's the thing that the church perhaps needs more than anything today is we just simply need some Christians who will grow up and not stay as mere infants, not having to be told the same thing over and over and over. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed learning new truths out of God's Word. It excites me. And even now at the, the age I'm at, I, there's, there's nothing more exciting to me than to see something anew, something I've never seen before. Learn something and say, wow, I can't believe I missed that all this time. And yet rejoice in what God is still doing. I hope you can say that about your life. I hope you can say that every day you're learning something new about the Lord. And as I preached on this morning, not just learning about Him, but knowing Him, walking with Him. I'm convinced, and I'll close with this, I'm convinced one of the reasons we're not sharing our faith nearly as much as we need to is because, quite honestly, we've run out of things to share. Oh, yeah, we can talk about when we were saved, but some of us, that was many years ago, and we've long since quit talking about that. Just like when we first had children, we talked to everybody about our children. We showed pictures to everybody about our children. And when you become a grandparent, you do it all over again. You show pictures. And we're all excited. We tell everybody. But after a while, we quit doing that. Why? Because it becomes old news. And unfortunately, I think that's what's happened in the church when it comes to Jesus. But what it would happen if everybody had a fresh encounter with the Lord every day? What would happen if every day was a new experience, a new blessing, a new truth, a new experience from the Lord, and, and we had something to share? Well, then I think we'd go back to talking about the Lord. And our behavior would be quite different. So that's my prayer for 2020 for myself. I pray it'll be your prayer that we can not be like the church at Corinth, not be like the Christians that the writer of Hebrews addressed, not be like those Christians in Galatians who were arrested because they just simply stayed like the world. Let us move on to walk with Christ, to be like Christ, and to do His work. 2020. Let's pray. Father, for your word, again, we give you praise and thanks. Lord, the Apostle Paul struggled with the church, but he loved this church because you loved the church. And even though they were infants when they should be mature believers, yet, Lord, you continue to allow the Apostle Paul to, to write to them, and you directed him by your Spirit what to write, not only to that church, but, Lord, to other churches and to even our church tonight. Lord, we just need to be reminded that we don't need to stay where we're at, but we need to grow. And Lord, spiritually, we need to become more mature than we were the day before. And that, Lord, that that will reflect in the way we live. So, Lord, I pray that tonight it will not be just what we believe, but how we behave. And what we do with your word, what you tell us to do. And, Lord, that we will become obedient and we will become more trusting. And, Lord, we will walk with you. Now, Lord, I know that that will be a struggle. And we have an enemy who will do everything to derail that. And the world will do everything it can to prevent that. And even our own bodies, Lord, will work against us and try to pull us back because of the appetites that our body has. But Lord, would you tonight just help us to 
lay hold of your Holy Spirit and the desire to walk in the Spirit. And Lord, that that would become a daily challenge and a daily prayer to lay aside the things of the flesh and put on the spiritual armor and to walk in the Spirit. So Lord, may we make those commitments tonight and may we be able, Lord, to be able to say at the end of this year that we have walked with you as we have never walked before. The Lord, we can learn the joy that Enoch had when he walked with you and then suddenly was not because you took him. Lord, do your great work in this place, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing the hymn invitation. If there's something you need to do tonight, be obedient to the Lord, where it's to make a public profession of faith in Christ or come for baptism, church membership, whatever it may be, then we invite you to respond as we sing. Brother Tommy.